Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Udon Cheek, assistant track and field coach at East Carolina University. You are plugged into the Sports Objective Podcast. If you are a fan, you are plugged into the right place. And if you're really a fan, you will share that link. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down to my soul. And I don't back down, not at all. Find out when the cannons explode. Boom! You're listening to 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Objective Podcast. Between now and the Pirates' scheduled season opener on August 29th against Marshall, we will take a daily trip down memory lane as we will talk to former East Carolina football players about their path to ECU, their time in the purple and gold, and what they're up to now. Now let's talk Pirate football. Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast, our 23rd 50 Pirates and 50-Day interview. Uh, very excited this morning to be catching up with former East Carolina offensive lineman Quincy McKinney. And before we welcome Quincy into the show, uh, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Kyle from LaGrange Barber. Kyle, how are you this morning? What's going on, Bubba? It's a good morning in the East. Jay Sonhoff here in the, in the Raleigh area. How are you, buddy? My guys. I'm good. Happy Friday. Doing well. It's already here about 80 degrees in Kannapolis. I am at Atrium Health Ballpark. I'm broadcasting from the new Kannapolis Cannonball Stadium. Um, but like I said, we're uh, catching up with Quincy McKinney. Quincy, welcome into the show. Hey, thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm glad to have you on. I look forward to taking a look at your East Carolina career, which was in 2014 and 2015. I know you were originally from Columbus, Georgia. So uh, just talk about your recruitment and your high school career and uh, everything before you ended up going to a Fork Union Military Academy. Okay. Um, well, Columbus Carver is like a, a powerhouse in Georgia. Uh, we're a 3A school. Well, now 4A, but when I played, we were 3A. Um, so we were always consistently good. I was a two-year starter. Uh, came off of about about 15, 16 um, offers. Uh, wound up signing out of um, signing to South Carolina. Um, I played with uh, Isaiah Crowell. Um, so that was our, our top dog. He was the number one um, running back that year. So it made it my life easier when it came to recruiting and playing. Just get in front of a guy, and that's a touchdown. That's how, how easy it was. Um, but I wound up signing with South Carolina, the Gamecocks. Got in a little bit of um, eligibility issues, so they sent me to um, Fort Union. And uh, I spent a semester there. So that was a doozy. So before going to Fort Union, uh, taking a look at your recruitment uh, with the Gamecocks, um, tell us, obviously, uh, which position coach it was and then also what Coach Spurrier was like on, on the recruiting trail. Uh, he was full of energy, man. It, it was He was one of the most unique guys that I definitely uh, spent time with. Uh, he was really energetic, and the love of the game and intelligence he had was just top tier. Um, they wanted me to play uh, guard. I was a tackle in high school, but um, I'm not the tallest guy. I was only right under 6'4", so I'm more of a guard center height, so they wanted me to play guard. But um, that was – that's a beautiful campus too, man. Uh, but that's um, yeah, for them. So coming out of Fork Union, 
Um, I know NC State got in on you, and then several other uh, big-name programs. So, so talk about that process before you ended up at Hutchinson. Yeah, um, my recruitment for South Carolina, because they wound up signing, because um, I'm still at Fort Union, and they actually signed, like, five O-linemen in my class. So I guess they over-recruited for that position. And um, so I'm just on campus in Fort Union, Virginia, just – in limbo, didn't know what I was doing or whatever. And um, I got a few calls from a guy that uh, that just helped recruiting kind of in my high school. And he told me, hey, NC State wanted you, uh, South Florida's interested in you. I was born and raised in New Jersey, actually. So Rutgers found that out. So they reached out, uh, reached out to me. Uh, that's who I actually took a visit with, too. I went to Rutgers, and then I went to um, NC State, of course. Uh, it's crazy because Rutgers doesn't like, I don't know about now, but at the time they just didn't recruit Georgia. They always went down to Florida because of the Shiano, um, pipeline, but they always skipped over Georgia. So I was like a, a rarity at the time, but, uh, I took a visit there. Um, and that was when Shiano was still there. So I got the, um, politic with him and he was just upfront and honest. He was like, we really want you and you'll definitely be playing guard with us. Um, but once I went to NC State, it was just it was just a match at the time. Now things have come full circle. Greg Chiano back at Rutgers, yeah. and um, not to get off on a tangent, but guys, I don't know if you can hear it playing in the background. Uh, John Denver's "Country Roads." I feel like I'm at Milan Postcard Stadium up at West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, we can hear it. We, we can hear it. Uh, take me home, Country Roads. <laughs> Go ahead, Jay. Oh no, I, I don't like it when they play that song up there. It's usually not good for the pirates <laughs> when they play that up at when we're up at West Virginia. Yeah, um, yeah, we've never won there. Yeah, hey, hey, Quincy, question just back to the Fork Union. How was it going going there? I know you're there for a semester, but how was it compared to uh, your your high school in Georgia? And then what did you learn there that um, you know helped you once you got to East Carolina too? It's a different uh, lifestyle, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's night and day. It's crazy because, like, Fork Union is probably, like, 30 miles, not 30 miles, but about 30 minutes away from any normal civilization. Uh, they strip you from your phone. My mom made me pack two suitcases worth of clothes because she was like, you might you never not know. You might go out to a party or whatever or just an event. So I had clothes. And I, I get on campus and they're like, if you have any civilian clothes, take them up to the closet. I didn't see that them two suitcases ever again until I left. Uh, wow. Yeah. So I just had my normal black and whites uh, undergarments. They gave us our uniforms. Um, it was just like I wouldn't ever say jail because I haven't been there. But that's what I would say, like civilian jail. Um, it was just. It was it was miserable, but when I think about it now, it's just nothing but fun memories, and I get to laugh about it. Like uh, you probably, I know you guys heard of John Schumann. Uh, his nickname is Inhuman Schumann because he's just he's interesting, man. Um, I can talk about him for days. Uh, my guy, he was my uh, math teacher, right? And he started writing with his left hand, and then as he crosses over, he switches to his right hand, and it's just as even. Uh, and I'm like, who who does that? You feel me? Like, no, I never seen that before. Uh, his just his 
his attitude of everything. We were PGs, so that's postgraduates. And so we're the oldest guys at the um at the program at the on campus. So we're looked at as the the guys that should be doing the best when it comes to behavior and all that, but that didn't happen. I had a lot of guys in my in my building that just didn't know how to act right. Um football wise though, uh it was really it was comp it was a lot of competitive games. Um I actually played with a lot of uh guys that's in the league now, like uh Michael Thomas for the Saints. He was on my team, uh Cordell Jones, uh Jarrell Adams. So we had a few guys that actually played in the league. So we were really talented. Um but that was I'll never forget those days. Did it teach you anything about discipline or, or, or being able to handle more adverse situations? Did you get anything from it like that? Oh, yes, sir. Um, just like I said, um, everything was consistent. So you would do the same thing almost every day. Uh, it was a real tight schedule. Um, in your normal life, you wouldn't have that as much, but uh, they forced it on you. I had to wake up at 530, make up my bed. Uh, clean up my room every single day, just like I would do the next day. Um, just consistency. That's what I would say I learned from that the most. Uh, discipline. Um, we had to definitely shave like we were in the military. So that was new for me because I'm 17, 18 years old. I'm not worried about that as much. Um, but we definitely had to shave and keep everything tight. I was, if, you're, if your clothes wasn't hung up the correct way, your commander would come in there and tighten you up. That's just how it was. So it was really, it was really military style, and I, I did appreciate that, though. So Quincy, you made your way from uh, Fork Union to NC State, uh, and then uh, ended up at Hutchinson out in Kansas. So, so talk about that, and then your recruitment uh, by East Carolina from from Hutchinson. Uh, obviously, Coach Ruff was going into his, uh, I guess, fifth season in the program by twenty fourteen. And the air raid offense, it had evolved to that point, but we still threw it a lot more than we ran it. Um, and with that being the case, as an offensive lineman, um, um, not only Coach Ruff, but whatever position coach recruited you, uh, Brandon Jones, um, talk about how he sold that to you because obviously as an offensive lineman, uh, you're thinking about more probably run blocking coming off the football. Okay, uh, I'll start off with um... – how I left NC State, and then I'll get into the rest. Uh, well, I came in the spring of 2020, I mean 2012, so I um, did spring football that year, went through summer workouts, and um, during the 2013 season, I was one of the few freshmen that didn't uh, redshirt. I was second, um, second string left tackle, so that was a surprise to me because all the other schools were telling me I was going to play guard. And I wound up being second string left tackle behind Rob Chris. Um, so I wound up traveling and I got a lot of experience out of that. I played, uh, I believe four or five games, garbage time. But, uh, the fact that I was playing that early, that gave me that, that awareness and experience that I, I knew I could do this as and be successful in the field. Um, so I played those games next season. O'Brien gets fired, and that was just a, a loop that nobody was really ready for. We had a subpar year, uh, did make it to a bowl game, but I guess that wasn't enough for them. So um, then Doran came in. Uh, he embraced me with love. I, like I said um, a little earlier, I was um, struggling in, in the classroom a little bit, 
So I was on the cusp of being eligible or not. So um, I did my best. Uh, still wasn't enough. So they asked me. I had to leave. Um, I went to a JUCO that was uh, Hutchinson in Kansas. That was another experience that I'll never forget. I was there for a year. Um, not to, to down on the Midwest or maybe just Hutchinson, but that's that's not me. Uh, <laughs> it was just no. Um, I wound up starting uh, all the games at left tackle there. A few of my teammates came um, from NC State. It was actually four of us. It was like a busload of us just came over. So that was that was pretty cool. I felt that at home with them. Um, it was it was uh, good football. I would say they're probably the one of the top JUCO conferences in the country. So um, we got a lot of exposure to some talented guys when we played. Uh, we went like eight and four, maybe something like that. We were ranked in the country the whole time, so that was that was cool. Um, went to a bowl game. We played a team in um, North Dakota, and I promise you guys, it was like playing a JV high school team at the time. It was horrible. Uh, we wind up beating them like sixty-three to zero or something like that. It wasn't. It was like whatever. And then on top of that, it was negative one degrees during the game. So uh, you gotta love it. That's that that Kansas weather. It's always windy, no matter the time of the year. It's just windy. So if it's hot, it's windy. When it's cold, it's windy. Um, and then after that, um, I wound up getting a lot of um, a lot of recruitment love coming out of Hutch. Guys always want to look for a Juco guy to come in and start for him. And um, I had a, a busload of schools. Um, actually, uh, I think I went, I was second team all conference that year uh, behind a guy that wound up going to Kansas State. But um, I had Louisville that offered. I wound up committing to them. ECU, of course. I had Kentucky, uh, Kansas State. Um NC State wanted me to come back, but how they did me, I was like, I, I can't trust you guys, man. I just, that's what it was. I just, because, nah. So uh, I, I wasn't feeling them. I didn't want to go back to that program. But um, I was actually, I saw, I mean, I committed to um, Louisville with uh, Paterno or Petrino, Petrino. And, uh, yeah, I always get their names mixed up, even though I met them. Petrino. And um, right after the visit, I, I committed, and I just thought up and down I was going to go there. I had took my uh, ECU visit two weeks beforehand. I enjoyed my time. Ruff was basically, like you said, I'm your dad. I'm, I'm that guy. Um, and your co- and the assistant coaches are your uncles. And I appreciate that because that felt like a, a legit family. Other schools, they felt like a business. You're just a number sometimes, even though they – Try not to say that, but I, I felt like I was part of a, I could have been a part of a family. So um, I took some time right after that. It was like two days turnover. And um, I talked to Coach Jones, Brandon Jones. That was my O-line coach at the time. And uh, he was just just talking to me and letting me know. He was like, man, we really want you here. He thought um, this would be the best spot for me. Uh, and I'm not really big on like publicity and like all the glitz and glamour. I'm more of a put your head down and I want to work kind of guy. And uh, that's what I, I got that vibe from ECU. Um, of course, I could have went to a bigger school and whatever would have happened after that. But um, I just 
felt like ECU was a better fit for me. I already had the ACC, and I seen how that was. It didn't fit for me as well as the ECU could have. Um, so after that, I switched, and I seen that the the small platform that I had was going crazy. They were like, why would he switch from ACC school to ECU? I just don't get it. And I just – it was in my heart to go to ECU. Yeah, I remember when we uh, when you flipped um, during your recruiting process, following on a hoist of colors, 20, uh, 24-7 sports. And I uh, remember I was really excited when you flipped. Um, talk about Brandon Jones, if you will. Um, I, I, I don't think he was appreciated by our fan base um, as much as he should have been. I, I thought he did a good job coaching the O-line for that particular offense. Oh yeah, he's a um he's definitely an air raid spread kind of coach. Um I appreciated his style because he he was technical, but he wasn't on if one step is this way, then it's wrong. He was like, if you get the job done, then that's what it is. That's if you get the job done, your main purpose is to put your body in front of the defender and let the ball carrier handle his business after that. And that's what kind of guy he was. Um he was real lax, but he wanted you to work. And that's kind of how I am. I'm not a uptight and just always panicking kind of guy because he trusted us during practice. We put that work in during practice. And in the games, you got to show what you did in practice. So that's what it was. He was He's one of my favorite coaches. I actually talk to him pretty frequently. We still keep in touch because that's me and him. We just, that's my my mission, I would say. Good deal. Quincy, Quincy, just uh, a few days ago, we caught up with Robert Jones, who was finishing his East Carolina career um, a couple years prior to you coming in, who also, who also played on the offensive line, and he would talk about staying in touch with Coach Jones, and he was laughing. Uh, just um, we were talking about Coach Jones' accent and so forth. And yeah. uh, Did you guys ever just uh, try to get him to say certain phrases or, or that kind of thing? Uh, no. Um, the thing is, when you – when you uh, get him upset, he his voice scratches, like creaks a little bit. So if you get him upset, we know that that voice creaks a little more than normal. Uh, but now nah, I've been a lot, like I said, I'm from Georgia, so that the, the country is normal to me. But he definitely has a nice Texas accent, like for sure. But um, yeah, if you get him to get upset, that voice cracks a little bit, like a little girl. So that's what it is. I don't know if you want to get into this, and I may be off on this. He left going into that 15th season. Was he? Was he? Uh, was he upset that he didn't get the offensive coordinator position? Are you talking about uh, Jones? Yes. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Truthfully, I, I really don't know. But um, when he did leave the day of, he did call all of us and talk to us and just let him let us know that. He was moving on. Um, the situation for him was better for him and his family. So he did keep that that true and that that trust. If he would just would have left and not said anything, me and him wouldn't be talking now. Right. So um, talk about that transition, uh, and then I'll get back to the question I had previously. But uh, since we're on the transition, uh, Coach Jones leaving, we had Brad Davis coming in. Uh, he, he played at Oklahoma. Uh, had a nice resume himself. Uh, talk, talk about Coach Davis. Uh, Davis and Jones are day and night to me. Um, 
Davis is a more uptight guy, and he's really technical. Uh, his view on the game is a little different. He wants you to see the whole field almost like a quarterback. He wants you to see how the safety is coming down. If they shift in this way, somebody else is coming this way. Like he's really technical to the book kind of guy. Um, and I guess that's that's a, a tribute to his um, his mentors. Uh, that's where he is now in um, Arkansas with uh, Sam Pittman. I guess that's how he was taught, and he was trying to put that on us. Um, but I, I enjoyed my time with uh, Coach Davis too. He was he's a realist. Um, he definitely opened my eyes as an O-lineman because normally O-lineman, we just look at the box. You just look at the D-lineman, the linebackers, and anything after that is, is whatever. But um, he put me in a different perspective, and um, he actually the one that um, – because I coach uh, high school ball now, and he's the one that actually opened my eyes to, hey, I might want to coach after I'm done playing. So reverting back to that 2014 season when you were coming in, uh, so many – High expectations for the Pirates that year, uh, coming off the second double-digit win season in program history, 10-3 and three in 2013, and a bowl victory. Uh, so just talk about that as you're coming into the program, uh, having uh, been one of the most highly touted JUCO um, products, um, period, uh, especially on the offensive line. And, you know, you had a veteran quarterback uh, going into his senior season like, like the captain, Shane Carden. So, so talk about um, just the program as a whole and where it was headed and, and the expectations and then what it was like being in the huddle with, with Shane Carden and his leadership. Okay. Uh, go, go talk to mom. Excuse me. Go, go talk to mom. There you go. Close the door for me. Thank you. That's my three-year-old, man. Hey, I understand. I, I, I have a five-year-old as well as an eight-year-old. Okay. They're doozy. But um, uh, like I told you, um, Coach Jones, well, when guys recruit, JUCO guys, they, they want to start it. And Jones told me that's what I would be. Uh, day one I got on campus, they put me at the left guard spot. Um, and that's I appreciated that because, of course, I want to work and earn it. But that that job and what I was looking for was a job for me to lose. So that that I had that spot there. Um, everybody embraced me really well. Uh, it was just like like I thought in my visit. It was like a family vibe. Um, Shane Carden was a boss. Um, never been around a quarterback that just he didn't have to put on or try. Everybody just gave him that respect when he came around. Everybody just looked different, felt different uh, because he earned that respect. Um, at e, it was just when you're in the huddle with him, you know you're in good hands. Literally, um, everybody was more at ease. Uh, we had even in practice when we had reps with other guys. Um, it just wasn't the same. Uh, when Shane walked up, it was like, okay, we're running this, this, and this. Let's let's get it. Uh, and then of course he's thrown to two future, no, three future wide um, NFL wide receivers. So that made everything just even easier. You feel me? Like, um, we, uh, like, you know, we threw the ball so much. Um, and to comment on your, uh, your statement earlier in high school, I was more into run blocking because we ran the ball probably 85% of the time. Um, but I actually had broke my fib and tibula in high school and that just during the run play. So my, my, my mindset changed a little bit. I appreciated 
pass blocking just a little bit more. Um, so ECU and then that, their style of play, that was just – it was a match made in heaven for me. Um, so I really appreciate how much we threw the ball. Of course, I'm a dog. I'm going to try to run you over when it came to the, the run game, but pass blocking was my forte. I believe I'll be uh, – during that time, during those two years, I probably gave up three or four sacks in two years. So that's pretty good, um, especially how much we threw the ball. Qu- Quincy, qu- question on that offense. I was always curious. How hard was it to kind of transition to be, you know, more of a pass blocking lineman? It, you know, how hard was that transition? And then also when you and when we had to run the ball, did it make it – was it hard to kind of transition back into a running, you know, running, like, offensive line where you're pounding the rock, or did it matter? Just because that style is so much different than a normal, you know, pounding the ball offer. Yeah. Uh Well, it was different for my uh, for both years. Um, when I was – my first year, when I was with Jones, he actually had us in a two-point stance, and he just wanted us comfortable. So whatever kind of stance it was, that was – that's what you were going to be in. Um, and then when I was with Davis, he actually made us the guards. We had to be in three point stances. So he just wanted more consistency. Like I told you, Davis wanted it how he wanted it. Jones just wanted the job done. So that's, that's a little insight and in how, what just like that. Uh, the mindset, no, we, we knew we were, we knew what we were. So we're going to pass the ball majority of the time. But then when it came to run blocking, we just had to get it. Uh, I can't speak on my my other guys, but I knew if we're running the ball, we know we got to get these certain amount of yards because our meat and potatoes was passing. But if we're running the ball, we're either trying to uh, surprise the opponent or get these last two yards to get that first down or touchdown. So uh, it wasn't it wasn't too much for me. I was just going back to my high school days because, like I told you, I had Crowell and that's all we did was run the ball in the spread. So that's. It went back to my high school days. In Quincy, um, in in uh, 2014, yeah, the Pirates we, we we threw the ball extremely well. That goes without saying. But the running game that year, um, we, we had a nice stable of backs, um, like Sabrian Allen, Chris Hairston, uh, Marquez Grayson, uh, Anthony Scott was a freshman that year and uh, did some nice things. So just talk about the um, the ground attack because it certainly um, accomplished a lot as well. And uh, Breon had close to 900 yards and really had a nice day, a field day against the Tar Heels. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's a day I'll never forget, man. I promise you. I could never. But uh, when it came to um, the running game, uh, Raleigh, um, he just had all types of ways of running it. Um, we were good at draws. Uh, when it came to pulling guards, I was – I kid you not, I always pull if we because we had the same play to the left and to the right. If you go back and look at the film, you always see me pull uh, about eighty percent of the time. Um, that was that was our meat and potatoes. I would say was the the draws because we we're trying to act like we're passing it and then hand it off. And Breon was our leading rusher. You know, he was a, a smaller back, so he's like he'll be in the pile. Next, you know, he just pops out and going for sixty. Uh, so it was kind of hard to find him, but, um, we all, all our running backs had their own different unique styles and, and body types. So we, we could hit them different ways. Um, 
and that was it was I know it was difficult for the defense because Green had the hands, Chris Harrison could catch really well, but then if we wanted to get some uh some up the middle kind of things, we'll put great in. And then uh Scott well, he would do the same. He had all three. Um he could do all three pretty well. So we definitely had different wide ranges of backs and that made it our offense just more versatile. Talk about the um, the chemistry and the relationship, camaraderie within uh, not only the team itself, but uh, specifically within the offensive line room. I know tonight we're catching up at 8 p.m. Uh, right here on YouTube and Facebook Live with J.T. Boyd, who, who played for the Pirates from 2012 to 2016 and was obviously in that room for two years as well. Uh, so, so talk about uh, not only J.T., but the other guys that you were playing with. Uh, when it comes to O-line – well, first, when we do workouts and meetings, you're always with your position group. That's that's all schools. You're always with your position group. But um, at ECU, I felt like we were a, a legit brotherhood. We were always, we always, always hung out. Um, so my roommates, all four, well, all my roommates were O-linemen. So I always, I lived with them. Then we would go to practices and everything together. I, I really didn't hang out as much outside of football at with other positions as much. I was always with the O-line. Those were my, my brother's brothers. Um, JT, you're going to see, you're going to have a, a ball with him tonight. He's That's a character on top of characters. Uh, he always keep you entertained. He always has something smart to say. Uh, Jones hated him, but loved him at the same time because he always had something smart to say. Um, that's that's a, a great guy. I really appreciate him. I, I might actually hit him up today when you got me thinking about him. But um, that was we were just we knew we were unique. We were always the big guys, uh, so everything was just different about us. Our whole energy was, was different. Um, and plus we had to protect our our, our guy, our, our money maker back there. So we knew it was just we had to stick together. And any little activity we could do, we were doing it. Um, and our biggest thing we would do is O line. Then all the other guys started trickulating, doing it too. But we would go to um, uh, timeout. Is it timeout? Uh, it was a place in town. Um, they did tiebreakers. Tiebreakers. There we go. Tiebreakers. Um, we would go and get I think half off wings or something. Or you can eat wings or something on Thursdays before Friday, and we had to go to the hotel. All the O-linemen after practice will go straight over there and just eat for two hours, just wings. And then all the other guys, they heard about it, started coming over and stealing our, our – our. Hey, now, Quincy, as far as the all-you-can-eat wings, um, I got kind of a funny story that I'm going to lead into, but uh, did you guys ever get cut off by chance? Uh, they definitely shorted us. They started shorting us after about the fifth or sixth uh, – little box it started off with like 10 and then it got down to like four i'm like hey man come on we still here we're still here man and besides the obvious and with you guys being large large men uh, the reason i asked that is because a good family friend of ours uh i'll leave his name out to, i won't incriminate him but uh he and some of his teammates back during the uh, sunny randall years in the early to mid 70s and um, they went to parker's barbecue and uh, and they got cut off. They said you, this table gets no more barbecue. They can have all the breadsticks and sweet tea they want. 
with, with no no barbecue, no no uh, potatoes, etc. <laughs> they must have been really eating good. <laughs> Real, but no, um, I, I would I didn't get cut off any of the times, but they definitely we got less and less every time though. Right, who ate the most wings? Did, did y'all ever keep track? That well, what's the most wings one of you guys put down? Uh, I remember I threw it back, threw back about forty-five of them. Holy shit! Yeah, I was I was grubbing. And during those times, man, I couldn't do that now at all. But during those times, you just we worked out every day. We literally were running and lifting every single day. So when it came to eating, it was like, well, we'll work it off. It didn't matter. So it was just. Whatever, whatever we wanted to eat at the time, it was just I was down for it. Are you? Are you? A, are you? A, are, do, do you like the uh, the little drumsticks, or are you a flat guy? Hey, both. But if I had to, if I had to, if I had to pick drumstick, okay, yeah. Now, uh, just a hot wing or honey barbecue? What are you eating? Uh, I'm very versatile. I get, I like to try all of them. I I literally have to try all of them. I, they even had a, a Obey flavor. I was like, why not? <laughs> sure, it's the seafood, but I'll try it on a wing. <laughs> I, I can see that working, actually, the Obey flavor on a wing. I can see it working if it's done right. Yeah, it, it was pretty good. Yeah, I had, a, I had a feeling you guys may not discriminate. We'll, we'll have to bring that up tonight with J.P. Boyd. Uh, ask him uh, about wing night with tiebreakers. But. Yeah, go ahead. You know about it. Yeah. So going into that 2015 season, we talked about the transition in the offensive line room uh, going from Coach Brandon Jones to Brad Davis. Uh, you, you obviously also had a new offensive coordinator going from Lincoln Riley who moved on to Oklahoma after turning down offers from several other programs, including North Carolina. But uh, so just talk about that going from Coach Riley's um, to Coach Brad Nichols. Excuse me, Brad Nichols. Dave, Dave Nichols. Dave Nichols, yeah. Uh, that was a big turnover year. It was it was kind of crazy. Um, and also to piggyback on that, a new quarterback. Um, then he got hurt. <laughs> and then he got hurt. Uh, and then a new running back because Breon left. So it was it was, the whole turnover that year was uh, was tough, and that reflected on our um, on our schedule, on our record actually. Um, we had a uh, Ben uh, Kurt Ben Kurt. It was during um, summer camp. And probably one of our last practices, and he rolls out just to finish out his play. And next thing you know, he just drops. Nobody was around him or anything. And we're like, oh, no, you feel me? Like, this this is our QB. And then next thing you know, I, I think it's his ACL or so, and um, he just dropped. So now we're uh, trying to figure out. We got Blake Kemp. He came in with me the year before from a Juco also. And then we had James Summers, which – he was playing quarterback, but then he was running routes, and he was a running back also. So we had a, a wild card at quarterback also. Um, switching from Raleigh to uh, Dave, um, it was the same kind of stuff. Of course, he had his own philosophy, but it was definitely the same kind of offense. We didn't change our plays too much. Um, but he, 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 he did his job. He did his best. Um, just – I wish some of the plays, I'm not trying to throw dirt on anybody's name, but I wish some of the plays that during certain times are changed because it wasn't ideal for us. And then that, that definitely showed on in the game situations and stuff. Um, Davis, he definitely, uh, we were more prepared, I would say. Um, 
compared to maybe the year before, just a little more. Uh, because like I told you, we were looking at safeties and corners. We were just more aware of everything. Uh, we had a lot of turnover on the offensive line too. Um, Dante Leviston got hurt like the first play of the season. Uh, he's out the whole season. He, uh, had a situation with his nerve in his shoulder. So we got a new guy at right tackle, Brandon Smith, wound up being, uh, what, a three year starter after that. Um, so that was the beginning of his career. Um, then we had, I think, three centers next to me. The only consistency, and I can't even say myself, was the left guard. I mean, uh, the left side. Ike was there the whole year and then myself, but I was out a few uh, games because I had a concussion. So the, the consistency on the old line was just wasn't there. Uh, JT and Ike were the only consistencies on the uh, old line. So on top of rotating quarterback situation, it just wasn't the best uh, for anybody. No, you know, you guys felt had so much adversity on the opposite side of the ball with, with you know, losing Lincoln Riley, losing uh, J- uh, Justin Hardy, losing uh, Shane Harden, and then you lose, like you said, Ben Kirk before the season started. They had brought in Philip Nelson with the hope that, that he would be able to be eligible right away. And unfortunately, the NCAA said, no, you have to sit out a year. So just everything that could go wrong went wrong. And you guys still, man, you had your moments. You beat Virginia Tech. You 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 almost beat BYU. You should have beat BYU, really. Uh, you almost beat Florida. And you come down to that game against Cincinnati where it comes down to a damn field goal to, to go to a bowl game. I actually thought, in my personal opinion, with all the adversity that the team faced, that going five and seven and roughing holding the team together, I thought it was the best coaching job he had done, and then they fired him. Yeah. Uh, it, that was yeah, that was a whole tough situation. I can't stand Cincinnati. I will not watch them on TV. Uh, we lost to my two years. We lost both times by a field goal. So that doesn't sit well on me. I didn't think they were a better team. They were competitive, but they were just the field goal better. So I guess they were. Um, speaking on Virginia Tech, I always talk trash. I'm 2-0 uh, against Virginia Tech. The years before me, we lost, and the years after, we lost. So I guess I joke around my friends. I'm like, I'm the reason why we won, because those are the only two years we beat them. Um, and then the BYU game, that was that was an experience I'll never forget. Um, we uh, Normally, fans, I wouldn't say they're, like, mean or belligerent, but, like, when we were there, like, as you're walking from the tunnel or the locker room to the field, they're like, we love you. Good job. Good, uh, good luck. I'm like, we love you. Like, you don't hear that from Oscar. <laughs> like, never. So I'm like, this is a different, different, uh, atmosphere. Uh, the view, once you like are coming down, you can see the mountaintop, just like the, uh, the can of beer and it has the mountains on it. That's exactly what it looks like as you're walking over. I'm like, this is a, this is a beautiful place. Um, and that was probably the strongest team I ever played against, too, like, in my life. I don't know if they're lifting over. They might be lifting those mountains. I don't know. They're very they're very strong, man. Like They're all about they're all about 28. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know. They definitely were older. I was looking at their bio. They had legit guys like 26, 27, and I'm like, I'm 21, 22. Like, what y'all, what y'all doing? Like, well, they're, 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 some of their players are older than us. <laughs> yeah, they, they are. That, that is crazy. 
weeks. So um, they, they've been on those. Uh, they're more than missing. Yeah, they, they go on those mission trips and they uh, they enroll and go on those mission trips and come back with uh, you know a wife and three children. And they and that, and that keeps their eligibility. Like that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's um, but, but the yeah, Mormon, the more that's that's a discussion for a different time. But the Mormon culture in general is very interesting. Okay. Um, Taking a yeah. look at taking a look at that game specifically, my parents were able to go out there for that one with some close friends of ours, uh, loyal pirates, and um, they said it was a heck of a trip, like you referenced, Quincy. Just the backdrop for uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium with the mountains and everything, just unbelievable. And and uh, that night, I remember us getting off to the fast start. Uh, James had the had the run. Oh yeah. Um, and and then uh, we blocked that punt and. And a guy that uh, I coached in high school, Giannis Bowden, um, was crawling on his hands and knees and recovered it in the left corner. That was nice. That was nice. I remember that. Um, yeah, that that game was like I said. That that whole just everything that night was awesome. I love night games, of course. Who doesn't? The lights, the atmosphere, it just seems like everything's enhanced when it's played at night. Uh, I swore we were about to put a whooping on them, but. Um, like I said, they were really tough and they were really strong. So that that definitely goes a long way in the football game because that wears on you during the uh, towards the back end of the games. Um, they were really successful on offense, and we were too. But they just got the best of us in that last what drive or two. So yeah, their quarterback we knocked their quarterback out, and uh, they put him back in to. to and he was on that through, last right? drive, and. Um, you know, I often, often, I remember on the message boards, he was he was like really banged up, and I remember on the message boards reading that uh, did, did Rick Smith, did, did Ruffin tell Rick Smith not to bring much pressure on that kid? Because you know, I was like, nah, that's just that's just Rick's style to drop back into coverage and not let anything big up. But uh, it was amazing to me that that kid was was injured, and and I mean, I don't remember Bub. I don't know if you remember exactly what the injury was, but he was hurt bad and. Came back here for that one last drive, and uh, he was like limping, like Byron Leftwich style. Yeah, exactly. And uh, came in on that last drive, and led him to the field goal. And I, had he not been able to come back in, that backup, he was scared to death. We'd have won that game. Yeah, that was a tough situation, man. A lot of heartbreaks. And then right before that, we had the game in Florida, and we had them until the end. Um, that was that was um. It's a lot of it was a lot of heartbreaks that year. The guy you were thinking of, Kyle, was uh, was Tanner Mangum. Yeah, Man. Tanner. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we we did. Uh, he was quarterback when they came in here in sixteen, and for whatever reason, had the worst offense in America that year. Yeah, they their off their offense in uh, that season was absolutely atrocious. Yep. Or 17, 17, I'm sorry. Two 17, years later. Two, two years later. Uh, just shows you what a different coaching can make. No more, no more, no more Rock, no more uh, Bronco Mendenhall. And uh, suddenly, uh, same quarterback offense goes from, you know, dropping 50 a game to having the worst offense in America. Yeah, uh, coaching definitely makes a, a huge difference. Just in your mindset, too. So, Quincy, um, we, we already discussed that. 2015 season, um, we came up just shy of a bowl, unfortunately. Uh, to talk about life after East Carolina, I know um, just 
did you have an opportunity to continue playing some more football? And then uh, what you're up to now? Because I know you moved recently from Greenville to Greensboro. Yes, sir. Um, it was it was kind of rough uh, after I uh, finished playing. Uh, I actually um, had a daughter almost a year after that. Um, so I wound up getting married. Uh, I met my wife in um, in college at NC State. Hence, that's why I was uh, struggling a lot at NC State because um, I just met the love of my life. So, uh, but I um, bounced around a little bit when it came to jobs. Um, I didn't want to play football anymore. That was the one thing that I uh, I knew I didn't want to do. My body just was telling me otherwise. Um, I had actually a, um, a situation in my lower back that I couldn't even squat anymore. Um, so towards the half, like the end of the half of uh, the 2015 season, I didn't even lift lower body because of my uh, my back. Uh, I had to stretch way more than everyone else to keep it loose, but that that's a, a chronic issue that I have. So um, I knew I couldn't continue on playing football. Um, I did intern with um, with Coach Mo for a couple months um, when I was still in classes. Uh, so that was interesting to see the turnover. Again, I, I feel like I'm a, a also a coach killer. I was there for O'Brien's last year, and then I was there for Ruff's last year. So, um, but I was there for that turnover. I uh, had a few different jobs. Um, lived in Raleigh for two years after um, I left Greenville in 2016, and then uh, moved back to Greenville because my wife actually, um, she just got her master's at ECU. So I got to come back and be in the greatest town in America. Um, and then we recently uh, moved to Greensboro about two weeks ago. This is my um, I'm a teacher now. Uh, this is my second year as a uh, PE teacher. So I get to put the uh, put a whooping on the kids in the classroom. <laughs> but uh, that's what I'm doing now. How do you uh, and, and Bob, I can I can ask you the same thing. Um, how do you guys uh, virtually uh, teach PE? Man, it's Bubba. You want to go first? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just you just have to do your best to get creative, Kyle. I and mean, there, there are obviously a lot of things that you would typically do that you can't do. Um, but it's obviously more uh, it's strictly individually based or individual based for the most part. I mean, you can try to do stuff. I know. Uh, different ones, um, whether it's you know, like a virtual game of horse for, for those students that have a basketball goal or something like that. I mean, just so you have a little interaction between them. Um, but then otherwise, I mean, you can do different different workouts as far as your body weight exercises. And, I mean, there's, if, if, you're, uh, if you're willing to uh, put yourself out there and if you, if you can dance a little bit, obviously you could do something like that. I, I'm not sure how much of that Quincy and I are doing, but I'm sure that I'm sure there are some female PE teachers and maybe some guy PE teachers that do that. But I certainly don't have any moves uh, to, to teach the kids. What about you, Quincy? Uh, that's actually a good idea. I'm doing um, elementary school now. This is my uh, first year at elementary on the elementary level, so I know my creativity is going to have to boost up twice as uh, twice as much. I'm definitely going to dance for the kids. They're going to they're going to see their their teacher dance. Um, but um, I actually was at an alternative school, 
um, last year. So that was sixth through 12th grade. So I had a wide range of kids that I had to teach. Um, a lot of your creativity level has to the boost because it's, it's tough. It's not like we can, we have a book and we'd be like, here, here's the book and here's the answer. That's not for PE. You're trying to show them different ways to be physically active and keep their attention. Um, like you said, body weight, um, exercises, that's what I did a lot. Um, and I had the kids like either record yourself or send a picture of the, um, whatever equipment they were using. So I had like dumbbells, but then I, I told them if you didn't have dumbbells and get a gallon of milk or detergent, something that has some weight. Um, but it's definitely, it's tasking. Um, and then, I don't know about you, Bubba, but I had daily Zoom meetings with my staff literally every day. And it, it got really tasking. And that that's something that we have to adapt to because we are virtual now. Yeah, definitely a lot of Zoom meetings. And um, like I'm trying to remember if it was Court Shankweiler or one of our guests we had on recently said, yeah, we should have definitely bought some stock in, uh, in Zoom oh, yeah. back in February or March. But Stock would be loaded. Yeah, but. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of the same things that you mentioned. Um, I had students sending in pictures or you know short video clips through Google Drive of uh, of them riding their bike or shooting basketball or doing whatever activities, and I'd have a daily fitness log. And sure, there were I'm sure there were plenty of kids that just filled it out and didn't actually do anything, but trying to kind of put the ball in their court and positively put some. Uh, pressure on them, if you will, to, yeah. to be active on a consistent basis. And, and hey, I told them, I said, you know whether you did anything or not. And I said, so when you fill this out, I'm just just know um, I mean, that you're the only one that knows. But yeah, Your body you, doesn't know, not, not me. <laughs> you, you did yourself good or, or you didn't. That's, that's the bottom line. I got, I, got, I got something for you guys, what I'll do for you, what I'll do for both of you, okay? I'm going to take a full body picture and oh, you show right. that to your kids. Should I cut say, this off? This is what will happen if you don't exercise. Come on now. <laughs> Motivation right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go ahead now. Uh, body, body by day. It's, it's the opposite, Bubba. It's the opposite, Bubba. If you don't do this, this is what will happen. This is what it'll look like. Kyle, <laughs> uh, you look great. <laughs> well, thank you, Jay. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Much. Uh, Quincy and Bubba are laughing, laughing at, laughing at us, or laughing at you. I, I don't even have my video up because I, I, uh, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I fell, I fell walking, so I can't even dance right now because I tore ligaments in my ankle. Oh, and I'm What'd you say? I said, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh yeah, no thanks. I, I actually tore it when I was playing, so I tore it, you know, in a game, and then about a month ago. I uh, I was just walking and I tripped, so I'm on crutches right now. So I can't I can't dance. Um, I can't dance right now. Yeah, I actually use the walker to get around everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm all in the little feet. Oh, those uh, them scooters you put your one leg on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, now Quincy, uh, just just uh, so you know, Jay played for the Pirates back in the Skip Holtz era. He also okay. played a little bit for Coach Thompson, but. Uh, transferred in there in 2004 and played through 2007. So he was part of laying the foundation for those Conference USA championships in 08 and 09. And as you see now on the screen with his avatar, he is a ESPN 
college football analyst and does a little basketball as well. Okay. Nice to meet you, man. Yeah, you too. No, you've been you've been awesome, and it's fun watching you play uh, here a couple of years ago. So, what's the biggest thing that you miss from from being at ECU? Uh, I always compare uh, my time in Raleigh to my time in uh, Greenville. Uh, Raleigh, as we know, is the the capital, and they're not worried as much as about state and just the sports in general. So you didn't get that that community support like I did in Greenville. Uh, just anywhere, it'd be like, oh, you play football, how you doing? And people just, strangers come up and talk to you. You feel like a celebrity. Uh, I missed that part a little bit because it was just, you love, you get the love in the community. That's, that's what I miss, definitely. Um, the fact that I'm even talking to you guys, I feel like if I was at state, this wouldn't be happening. I really appreciate this, just the, the support and the, the love that, uh, everyone just goes the program. No matter on the good years or bad years, you still get that that love and support. Yeah, no, definitely. Quincy, as we uh, start to wrap this up, you've been very generous with your time this morning and bearing with us through our uh, Wi-Fi issues. Yeah, of course. But um, Pirates getting camp underway today. Um, they're actually in the heart of practice right now. It's supposed to be finished about 11.45. Um, so – Talk about from a former player's perspective. Can you imagine going through what those guys are going through? Um, of course, they missed a ton of time, but um, they've been back on campus for a few weeks now, most of them, and uh, going through everything, not knowing whether there's going to be a season or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just like everybody, everything's inconsistent. You don't know what the next day brings. I couldn't imagine that as a player because uh, I know all my workouts used to be at 6.15 in the morning. So imagine you waking up, think you're about to go work out, and they were like, no, because of something. Somebody got the, the virus or so. Uh, that's just mentally you want to stay sharp and you want to be ready for everything. Uh, secondly, I couldn't imagine working out with the mask. I can't. When I go to the grocery store, I'm like, I need to get this thing off. So uh, I, can, I can't imagine them actually kind of run around with those on. Um. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, they, 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 about 50 colleges had invested in them um, a couple weeks back. I don't know if we got updated numbers on that. But somebody have actually came up with a full full face mask to go to go with the helmets, to like face shields that, go, that, that are more protective than a traditional eye face shield to go over the full mouth. And the all the way down. Yeah, so um, I, I don't know if East Carolina has invested in those or not, but uh, I think it would be something every college should invest in and and uh, would be a lot easier to breathe in than those masks. Uh, but even when you had the normal visor face shield, it makes it harder to breathe. So I can imagine if it's all the way down, boy, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to be in eight spots right now. Um, but I just... Hopefully, I hope the that football goes as planned as everybody's setting up for. I know it's different aspects that were changing in less games and conference or non-conference, but I, I really hope that everything just goes to plan because I don't want to go another fall without football or a fall without football. I'm not coaching this uh, year because of COVID and me moving and all that. It's just too much. Um, I'll come back around next fall, but I, I need some some football on TV, man. That's this. The truth. Absolutely. 
Yeah, like you're saying, Quincy, 95 degrees in that 110 real field heat index um, in eastern North Carolina like it is this time of year. Uh, it's not going to go to with a, with, a, with a face mask, but um, – oh, no. And on that practice field, it makes it even worse. That's another 5 to 10. Sure. Yeah, I've worked some uh, baseball games here in the greater Charlotte area, the Southern Collegiate Baseball League, and actually had more players in this league this this year and more talented players because of Cape Cod and other wooden bat leagues around the country closing down. But but uh, the turf field that we play on this year in Mount Island Charter School, um, just some of these days, like you're saying, you can just see that heat coming off the turf. Feet cooking, man. Smell like popcorn out there. Absolutely. Quincy, we, we certainly appreciate your time this morning being so generous. Um, we're going to look, look forward to and enjoy that chat with JT Boyd tonight. And hopefully you'll be able to check it out. If not live, then go back and uh, watch it on the YouTube channel or right here on Facebook. Um, but thanks so much again. And uh, we'd love to have you back on the show in the, in the future and talk about your, your coaching endeavors. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all very much. I know he just got off, but tell him I said thank you. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, you still there, buddy? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, As we're wrapping up another episode of 50 Pirates in 50 Days, um, again, number 24 tonight, uh, doubling up today, um, former teammate of Quentin McKinney, J.P. Boyd will be joining us. Uh, JP played on the offensive line for the Pirates from 2012 to 2016. Um, last night, we caught up with longtime East Carolina Athletics Administrator who retired at the end of 2018, Lee Workman. Uh, Lee was with ECU from 1984 to 2018. So, uh, really had an excellent conversation on a number of topics with Lee. He so much, he saw so much, excuse me, during his three and a half decades with the Pirates. And, um, and there's really so much more that we could have uh, talked about, and we certainly look forward to having him back uh, later on uh, to discuss those things. Um, all these interviews, uh, whether it's the 50 Pirates in 50 Days or, like I mentioned, the Lee Workman interview and our other podcast or archived right here on Facebook um, as well as our YouTube channel, make sure you like, follow, subscribe. That way when we post new content, uh, you are alerted on your phone or device that new content has been released. Um, but for Jay Sunhalter, former Pirate tight end and ESPN analyst, I'm Bob Rosenbaum, and you've been watching Sports Executive Podcast on Facebook Live as well as YouTube. Go Pirates! You've been listening to 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Executive Podcast. Remember, each of these interviews can be seen on our Facebook and YouTube channels, or the audio only can be heard exclusively on SoundCloud and Anchor. Wherever you watch and listen to the show, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. As always, we appreciate you listening to the Sports Injected Podcast. Go Pirates!